Welcome to Call Us Mommy Podcast, where we get real about mom life, relationships, and careers. I'm Tiana, a single mom of three. And I'm Marielle, a married mom of four. We're both on a mission to empower you not to settle in any area of life. Welcome back to Call Us Mommy. I have my favorite guest ever joining me, my husband, Austin. Hello, hello. We did an episode last year around the same time. Um, we were not married and we did not have a baby yet. So this episode, we're going to jump right in on talking about blended families, co-parenting, and um, we'll get started. So these are some questions that you guys have all sent in to us. Um, but first, let's acknowledge that Austin's sitting here with like a bag of peas on his junk because he got a vasectomy yesterday. Yeah, I am um, rotating <laughs> peas about every um, 30 minutes right now. Um, no, but I mean, overall it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I expected. Um, so wives, if you are wanting your husband to get a vasectomy, just go ahead and send him this episode and tell him to listen to the first five minutes. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, I was pretty terrified. I've heard some horror stories about it, but not going to lie. I went to the, um, barber yesterday (laughs) and, um, it was a topic of discussion after I told the barber I was getting a vasectomy later that day. And uh, the entire barbershop began to talk about vasectomies for about 45 minutes. So I got a lot of insight of what was going to happen, inside of what I should be doing post-vasectomy. And um, overall, it was some pretty encouraging um, words. So it made me feel better going into it. So let's talk about how long were you even back there for, though? Um, The vasectomy itself, honestly, I said waiting room before longer than I was even back there for the actual procedure. Procedure itself took about probably 10 minutes. Doctor was super cool. I asked him, honestly, it was just asking him questions about what he was doing as he was doing it um, during the procedure. But I had several recommendations to take the volume that they offer you before. Um, And I'm not someone who takes medicine at all. all. So I went with their advice, but honestly, that was the worst part of the whole experience. Um, So if you're not used to taking medicine and you don't like feeling high or stoned or out of your body, Mm -hmm. kind of, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, Yeah, I will say he walked out waddling. And then I was like, how was it? And the only thing he really said to me was, um, how long is this going to last? Like, when is this going to wear off? And then I was like, I don't know, like maybe like three or four hours. And then we Googled it and it was like 12 hours, but it didn't really last 12 hours. No, I got home and we turned on our show that we watch and I watched about 20 minutes of it and then took a good two hour nap. (laughs) Yeah. And then I felt better afterwards. But yeah, I mean, overall, like I'm definitely sore today. Um, sleeping wasn't terrible, just no fat, like fast movements wasn't, wasn't comfortable. Um, but I mean, all in all, it's really not that bad. Just kind of, I'm, I kind of related to when I was playing sports. Like if I got hit really hard in the balls one day in, in like a soccer game or something, it ached for the day, but afterwards, I mean, it hasn't been terrible. So, and I, and I, we had talked, we talked about this before, like it's a lot Women take a lot on giving birth, so I felt like it was the least I could do to just go get a little snip snip. And we love to see that we and that. Uh, take one for the team. Good. But so this kind of brings me into the, one of the questions we received was, um, "How did we know it was time for vasectomy, and were we both on board for this?" So we have five kids total, 
And so like, that's a lot of kids. Um, I'm not going to lie when we were sitting in the waiting room, I kind of did have some tears coming down. I got really sad. Um, we have been blessed with lots of kids. Of course, I would love to have more with Austin. Um, but guys, that would put us at six, seven, eight kids. That's a lot of kids. So yeah, we, we, had we several, would need a bus. Yeah, we had several conversations about that. And do we think having more kids together would be challenging but also wonderful? Yes, absolutely. But I think we kind of just decided that where we're at right now is where we want to um where we want to stop um we right now even struggle to find a lot of much time for each other at all um and so like that was one of our biggest things and we just want to really enjoy what we have right now and spend the time quality time that we have with the kids now and um just kind of take that next step and decided to get the vasectomy and call it call it quits with the kids but of course I think it was a little sad because I think that the day before you seemed a little a I little was, down because yeah I mean of course like growing up that's what I looked forward to as as like a man was like being able to have kids one day so when that's taken away from you it takes your manlyhood a well, little you bit also became a father literally in one year yeah and then almost yeah exactly a year later you know decided to close shop so I think that was a little bit of a difficult decision yeah so yeah, I mean, being being a father, and then becoming a father one year, and then exactly in one year, yes, knowing that I can't become a father anymore, yeah, it was a little bit, it was a little bit sad. But no, I think after it happened, and after as much as we've talked about it, I think that I mean, it was the right decision. And one of our biggest, one of our biggest decision makers was we didn't want to have to drive a minivan around. <laughs> Gonna so. say that. I was gonna say that that was gonna change the exactly what we drive everything. How have you both changed since you first met? Um, I think for me, the biggest things I had to change um, is obviously, to be honest, just my day to day like decision making. My thought process is outside of work, obviously. Um, I mean, even in work to an extent, because I mean, with sick kids. Now you got to now I got to stay home and like worry about them and like stuff like that. Whereas a year ago, before we even met, or a year and a half ago before we even met, it was like, hey, I was thinking about like trying to figure out what my friends were doing of the evening. Like, were we gonna go out to dinner? Were we gonna go like play basketball or go out or on the weekends? Were we gonna what were we gonna do? Were we gonna go boating? That kind of stuff. And now it's like, hey, babe, like. <laughs> so and so sick like what do i need to go get them from the store what are we making for dinner tonight mm -hmm. do we have groceries to feed all of us <laughs> like that kind of stuff so priorities yeah priorities shifted. have definitely shifted for me um what about you i think the biggest thing that's changed since i met you was you took me out of my masculine energy and i guess i didn't realize i probably have been in that my entire life um I'm always, and what I mean by that, if you're not familiar with like those words, is I'm used to making like all decisions. And even in a relationship that I was like being controlled in, it was like he was controlling certain parts of my life, but like still like paying the bills. Like if we were going to buy or sell a house, like everything, like I made those decisions. I made all financial decisions, everything like that. And now I'm in a relationship where he doesn't like take full control where I like I have nothing but it's like I can trust him 
to do all of those things. Like I don't have to worry about like making sure like the bills are paid. Like he, he pays all the bills and does all of those things that I'm so used to managing. And I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not going to sit over your neck like, oh yeah, it's great. I've had a hard time with it. Like I'm like, wait, like, no, I can do that. Like, why, why do you have to do that? Like, you know? No, I just think the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about that aspect of it is like, for example, whenever we decided that like, hey, after we're married, we're going to like merge bank accounts and we're going to do everything together. How long did that take me? Quite a while. You just did. I think you just did it like, last what? Week. yeah, last week. Finally took, got rid of your bank account. But um, I mean, just the simple things that I think she just had to get used to, like, thinking that us having the same bank account, she had to like ask me like to, sp to spend money or ask me to go buy something or that's such a good topic or like just those simple little things that in my mind, I was like, no, like I wouldn't trust you to be on the bank account if I wanted you to have to mm -hmm. ask those questions. It was more or less like for, yeah, big decisions. Like if we're going to spend thousands of dollars or something, yeah, let's talk about it. But like, hey, Wait, if you, really? I can't just go buy a car? If, <laughs> yeah, if you want to go buy a pair of jeans or if you want to buy the kids some clothes or like just simple day-to-day -day stuff. Like, like I first of all, I wouldn't have, been wouldn't have gotten married to you. And secondly, I wouldn't have trusted you in my bank account if I didn't if I wasn't wanting you to take that role, take that control. I think that is such a great topic for anyone who's blending a family is to have those conversations up front. Because I think that that's a, a part where we kind of lacked there because it was like I was not scared of him, but just like that conversation just seemed so like intimidating or like exhausting that I didn't want to have the conversation. But once we had it, I was like, why didn't we have this sooner? Like this is easier, like this stuff like I was afraid of because it's so different. Like when you married someone like at like 18 years old and you guys are starting a bank account together you know, starting from scratch, it's like so much easier because it was like you were going through those steps from like A to Z. Whereas I felt like, wait, he's already been established. He has his own bank account. He's been paying his bills, you know, the same way. Like he has all of these things already like in place and in, in order that I felt like, well, wait, where, where is my place here? And I think that's something that I struggled with. But again, it's just like was being in my masculine and just me being like, wait, no, like this is how it is. This is how I normally do it. And it's like, well, we can do it this way also, like was a big game changer for me. Yeah, and I think it helped too. And I think it made made you feel more a part of it whenever we sat down together, like like you were able to write out a full budget, like mm -hmm. we were able to budget everything together, get all of our finances in line. And I feel like we're able to find maybe too a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. Should have done it earlier, yeah, but we we're did it. we were able but at the same time in saying that we were we were trying to like get so many other things in line. Like we yeah, had we so many other that. factors in our in our relationship that I think money wasn't really one right. of the bottom of our it was, at the, the, bottom of our it was the bottom of our list because like I mean we knew we were financially sound between the two of us but so that wasn't like it wasn't almost like oh my gosh we're gonna be broke it was just right. more or less like hey let's figure that out later right yeah I agree so if you're listening to this and you're you are about to get married or you're dating and you you're going to blend like have these conversations up front and that's something that we did like a newlywed bible like Bible study, we end up stopping it like halfway through because it was so like new, new, like traditional, like never been married before, no kids that we were like, this is it. You know, this is, this doesn't go deep enough for us. It's a little too PG for us. Like we need, we need the mess in it. Um, but that was one of the things they talked about was like having those upfront conversations before getting married. Yeah. And I say overall, we did a good job of that 
except for we that's one financially is one of the one things we didn't do which i it never went bad we just i think more than anything you had a more difficult time adjusting to yeah i think it was just that. me in my own mind being like wait like am i i want to buy jeans like can i buy jeans do i have to ask him if i need if i you know if i need to buy jeans like it was a weird it was a weird feeling for me and it was like I'll, i will take full blame for it because like I was probably just like overthinking everything because I was so used to being the one to make all decisions financially. What is something new you've learned about each other since you got married? There's really two from two of the biggest things that I've learned <laughs> from uh, since getting married to Tiana. The number one um, would be on Sundays, or I guess it becomes primarily Sundays, but on her rage cleaning day, which is a day full of He's nothing but cleaning the house, you just stay away. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean rage cleaning. Um, so we've and actually most women, most moms, especially <laughs> rage clean. So we've actually, and, and don't get me wrong, I love it because I love a clean house, and I love that she's OCD about the house. But like even the simplest things, like, hey babe, can I have a hug or a kiss? No, it doesn't happen on Sundays <laughs> when she's rage cleaning. Afterwards. Afterwards. But, like, um, let me get my cleaning done. Yeah, we've even made some jokes, and I'm like, hey, do you want me to just like, take the kids on Sundays and leave? <laughs> um, because, I mean, like I said, like I joke about it, but I actually really enjoy the fact that house is clean. And he is so helpful. So like, don't sit here and think that like he's sitting on the couch looking at me. He actually is like, can I help? Or now he's to the point where he just like starts grabbing stuff and doing it. But... If you are listening to this and you know what rage cleaning is and why we do it, like nobody can clean like us. So even when they're helping, it's still like, oh my God, like I'm going to go redo that in a second. Like, you know. I've kind of figured out what I can do that she won't redo. So right. those are the things that I do. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, my second one. Um, the second thing that I've just kind of learned, I, I would think would be um, just how um, – really how good of a mom Tiana has like is um obviously when I one of the reasons I married her was because I knew how um good of a mom she was to her like to the three kids she already had but they were already older they weren't in the baby stages and for me it's really become even more prominent to me seeing you with Hux obviously uh, you've been great like all throughout the week when I'm working and I get up early before work at like 4.30 to go to the gym. So my sleep is obviously important. And so you've taken on that role throughout the week of like making sure you're up with him every time he needs to eat and getting him when he's fussy, that kind of stuff. And even just the simplest things like seeing you literally wear him all day long <laughs> throughout the house. Um, I mean, I know that's not easy on your body. I, whenever, when I wear him, it's even difficult and on my back and hurts my back and my shoulders and stuff. So like, I know it's couldn't be easy for you. Um, so just seeing that, like, that's something that's really, I've been really appreciative of and knowing how much you like, especially knowing he's, he's our last one, how much you love and care and how good of a mom you've been has been something that has really been that's so sweet, babe. really been uh, eye opening for me. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of similar to yours. I had to think about this one because I felt like I knew everything about you. Um, so obviously you stepped into an immediately like role to being like a stepdad, really a dad to my kids. But watching you with Hux, because I feel like a lot of men will be like, yeah, I'm a hands-on dad or I'm going to be a hands-on dad when I have kids. 
but like really are they going to be like what do they understand what that like entails and so I think since we've had Hux and even even your daughter like coming over here watching you like change diapers and just like jump in and do those things immediately without asking for help or you know like I'm not gonna lie like I think when we first had um, your daughter starting to come over you were like is this diaper on backwards I think you did say that one time but like you've never ever you just jump in like I don't have to ask you like and sometimes again my masculine energy like when you've just taken hugs from me and you'll go do things with him I feel like I need to like kind of like just like follow you around because I feel guilty because I'm like wait I need to be doing this but then I'm like oh wait like I can go take a bath like this is his son like I can go take a bath and feel okay about it like so I think that again was a mind shift for me but watching you just like jump in and do all of those things it's like I kind of figured but it's so much easier to do those things I feel like with a 10 year old that you could go play baseball with and like throw a football with like you can talk to them you can relate with them you can even have fun during you know during those times but with a baby babies it's so different because like it's literally a task of like love like you're doing it because you love them you know and so I thought when you said you're going to be a hands-on dad I was kind of like yeah when they're probably like 10 years old and you're out there throwing a football but to see you do it immediately right off the bat with both of your babies is was eye-opening to me hey let's not let's not forget about those couple weekend weekend nights Oh, yeah. That I've been up almost all night long so that she could sleep. Yeah. So I will say, like, we kind of, I told him, I was like, I'm so tired and exhausted because, like, I get it. Like, I am blessed to be able to work from home. So if I wanted to, I could take a nap during the day. I haven't. I never have. It's just I'm not a nap taker. And I feel like there's so much stuff to get done during the day when, like, the kids are gone, like, the big three are gone. So I run myself, like, literally till I'm just, like, so exhausted and I was like look I need you to get up on Saturday mornings and get him so there was one night in particular that like Hux was up probably every hour and a half this is just a couple weeks ago every hour and a half and then by what like 3 30 4 30 it was 3 30 yeah okay he knows 3 30 I looked at him and I was like look I need you to get up with him <laughs> and how was that um I mean, it's it's always nice because, to an extent, because, like, that's quality time that I get with him just, like, by myself. So, like, in that that exact night, he was incredibly, like, happy and in a good mood for from, like, 3.30 to 4.30. But what did you have to so do? So, we just sat out here and, like, basically just, just hung out, smiled, laughed, talked, and then... Um, then he started getting fussy again. <laughs> so then I was up with him literally from three thirty to seven thirty. I had to wear like we have a I don't know what are those things even called like a baby wear like thing, and I had to put him in that. That's the only way I could get him to not cry. Which I don't know if we haven't talked about that yet, but that's the only way. If you want him, if he's like fussy and you want him to completely just be chill, that's the only way to make him feel comfortable and stop crying is to put him in that thing. So I wore him from 4.30 to like 7.30 in the morning that night um, because anytime I sat down or tried to take him out of it, he would wake up right back up crying. So that being said, like that, I, I say the several nights, there's only been like probably a couple, but that specific one was the worst. Yeah. Um, so he got a little taste of what it's like that I have to wear hugs 24-7. Seriously, like she'll, she'll wear him 
from like nine in the morning to like three in the afternoon yeah. all day long. And I don't know how she does it with her little body, but yeah. she does. It aches, trust me. <laughs> okay, what is our brightest moment or moments from 2023? So my brightest moment, of course, like I love, I love my baby. And that was like such, you know, a great moment. But my favorite moment from 2023 was getting married. Yeah, I would say I have to agree. Obviously, um, being able to see Hux be born and then having my daughter born this year was, was two amazing things and things I wouldn't change for the world. But um, us getting married was so intimate and just exactly how we wanted it, uh, just simple and intimate. And um, It was, was about us. Yeah, it was. The whole day was about us. And I feel like we, this past year especially, we have done everything besides for everything for everyone else besides for yes. us. Yeah, I agree. So, so that was definitely the best moment of 2023. And I think I got a lot of questions why my kids didn't attend. And the simple answer is, for one, we talked to the kids. And even Quincy, my oldest, was like, why would we be there? Like, why would we be there? Like, he was like, I, I, there's no need for me to be there because if this was like, go back to a traditional, like, you know, quote unquote marriage, the kids aren't even there in the first place. We want it to be about us. All of our decisions on a day to day are made for our children. And so that was something that we could have that was just for us. I didn't have to worry about like, are my kids, you know, happy? Are they, it's, it was in July. Are they sweaty? Are they ready to go? Like it was a time that was just for us. And my kids loved, like they still to this day, will watch the videos of our vows and want to go through the pictures so they love like looking at those things but like never once have they said I wish I was there right yeah I mean we still I mean they still went to our reception we had a couple weeks later which is more of like a party and involved um more of our friends and family so they were still they still felt a part of it it was just not necessary for them to be there and we felt like we wanted that day to be exactly to be about us and only us yeah That's exactly how we had it. Yes. I mean, they thought the reception was like, (laughs) they thought that was fun. How has it been merging your lives together with all of the layers it brings and blending families? Um, I would be lying if I said it was piece of cake. (laughs) Um, No, we've, we've had some, there's been some triumphs and difficulties and um, there's been some hardships, but I think all in all, like it's, it's gone it's gone well and we're still working through a lot of those aspects. Um, I think that for, for me, it's a lot of it's been adapting to being a stepfather, um, and just getting to really, really know the, your three kids on a, on a personal level and get to, um, know them what emotionally they, how they react emotionally to things, how they like physical, like what, what they, what they like, what they don't like, how, who I can joke with, who I can't joke with. Um, you know what I mean? Like that, those type of things, personality traits. And I mean, it's become, um, each of, I have routines with each of them. I mean, for, for nighttime, I'm normally the one that tucks them in, especially the girls. Quincy, I don't tuck in (laughs) because He doesn't like any type of physical touch or, or any type of show, any type of emotion. But um, but the girls, know they always want me. I've started a prayer with them every single night that we do and tuck them in and um, that kind of stuff. Quincy, I mean, he's always, 
even though he doesn't like to show the um, emotional, physical side of things at night, he's always constantly asking me questions about sports. We're always playing sports together. He's he, we've I got him a where he got him a PlayStation Five this year and against all of Tiana's against my <laughs> <laughs> beliefs. Yeah, beliefs. Um, we still we I mean he's constantly asking me to play with him. We I help him play games and that kind of stuff. We have a lot of different bonding moments. So I think for me the biggest thing has just been figuring out a way to bond with them in all different aspects and being three of them um it hasn't been easy just in the fact that they all want attention at different times and to show that make sure they all feel important especially bringing Hux and my daughter here um Hux being here daily my daughter being here um several times a week they it's important to me to make them still feel like they're a part of our family they're they're a part of my my family like I don't want them to feel like my well, your biological role, kids are only my my kids. So well, your role has been a lot different than maybe most stepfathers because their dad is most of the time out of the picture completely, out of the picture completely financially and emotionally. Maybe shows up here and there. So you've stepped into a, like a role, not just as a stepfather, but being their their go to person, like twenty four seven of consistency. Right. Yeah, and that and that's been the biggest thing for me too. Because, I mean, just like any kid, like they don't. Although, like they, I'm sure that they've loved having a father figure in their life. They still, in the back of their minds, like okay, like yeah, this is this is wonderful. Yeah. But then they also probably step back sometimes, like okay, like what about my my actual father, like yeah. my biological father, like why is he not doing these things, or like what would he think about Austin doing these things for me, yeah. and like. Can still I, have that guilt. Okay. Yeah, there's still guilt there that I can tell, like, that even though they want to forego it, like, it's still in the back of their minds. Um, so that, that's, that's been challenging. Um, but again, I think it's, it gets better day to day. Like, some days are worse, some days are better overall, though. I feel yeah. like it's, it's significantly improved the past six months, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, the first, the first couple months, especially with Sophia, <laughs> was a little rough. She's way too much like her mom. Um, hard-headed but mm-hmm. <laughs> but no it's gotten a lot better and I, I think to me that's the blending our families is um, well first off we knew it wasn't going to be easy like right. we didn't come in this blindsided like oh this is going to be a walk in the park we knew that like there was we were going to face a lot of challenges this first year and especially bringing two babies in the very first year of marriage at the same time of blending families like we knew what we were you know, what our year was going to look like, maybe not to like the depths of like the hearts that we thought we were going to hit. But we kind of we knew like we weren't, you know, coming this like, you know, this is going to be great. Right. And and I think um, if we both take a step back and and look at how this has how this has transpired, I think we would redo it or do it a different way. And the fact that we would not depend on our flesh. Not de- yeah, not depend on our flesh and not depend on ourselves to try and work through all this. I think that um, it took us some time to realize, hey, this is some of this is like out of our hands. Like we have to rely on sit back and rely on God to help us through this. And we need to do Bible study together. We need to read the word of God. And like we need to dive in deeper than what we're doing. We obviously we both know that we're um that god is a huge part of our life but i don't think we i think we got away from making him the center of our life well there's there's so much chaos in our life and it's it was going so fast that i think that sadly it was like god was on the back burner 
and that's not at all how marriage is supposed to be and that's not how we want our, like our marriage to be so it was like we took a step back and realized okay like wait it's it's to have a christ-centered marriage it's god marriage then our kids and i feel like once we started practicing like really practicing that model and then actually making it a priority to to watch church together if we couldn't attend because you know we had a new baby or to start our, our bible studies i that was starting our bible study was probably where I thought like, okay, I feel like I'm growing closer to where I'm supposed to be in a Christ-like marriage. Right. Yeah. I think that's significantly helped. I think we've had several instances where we've gotten to a point where like, Hey, like we'll back up. Like we're trying to do this on our own right now. We need to like literally just sit right here, pray together, like Mm -hmm. figure this out because right now this is completely our flesh and this is not how it should look like. No, a good example was like, I think last week, we had a discussion that wasn't like, wasn't the easiest discussion. And I feel like we were on the route to like, start a big argument, but like, we were both like, okay, wait, like, let's pray. And it wasn't like we were like, like, we prayed both of us kind of like, huffing and puffing, like, of like, okay, we're a little, we're feeling uneasy about this, but like, we're still going to pray through this. And after we prayed, it was just like, okay, this feels a little lighter. And so, yeah, I think that realizing that Satan is out to like, destroy marriages, and if he can get your marriage, then he's got your family and the generations, you know, to follow that. So I think for us putting this back and be like, okay, we're actually being attacked by Satan right now. So like, let's just like pray and give it to God so he can, you know, help us work through this and not in our flesh. Right. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it right on. That's exactly what has helped. Yeah. So I guess I didn't answer my, my part on that. I think blending, blending our lives together has been a challenge, but not where it's like, oh, this isn't like, we don't want to be doing this podcast and making everyone feel discouraged. Like if I know I have a lot of single moms that listen in and like follow me, it's not like that. But I also don't want to sell you this dream that like, it looks like where, you know, it's a walk in the park because it's not, and it's going to be a day to day where you're having to give it to God and, you know, praying through your situation to, to get to the end result of where we want to be. And so I think for me, like the most challenging part would be just stepping into like all new roles like a role of being in a, a new community, um, a role of being a wife to a man who who can take charge and who can lead the family and just trusting that he can do all of those things. And then, as you know, like taking on a new role of being a stepmom, but not just a stepmom, a stepmom to a baby. So that is a whole new ball game because I don't want to overstep boundaries, um, but also just finding my place and where I you know fit into this picture right now. Yeah, and I think... And I think that's all, all All of those things are stuff that we're, I, we would be lying to you guys if we said we had it figured out. Yeah. That's all, yeah, it's all stuff that we're still working through, but I promise it's, it's getting better. Yes. We're, we're figuring out yeah, our. Yeah, we're not experts. If you're listening yeah. to this, we, we're not experts. We are a lot of trial and error right now. Yeah. But I will say the the key to it all is making God the center of your relationship mm-hmm. and working together. And something that I'm not good at that Tiana has made me a lot better at it is communication. Mm-hmm. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Because yeah. without communication, nothing gets accomplished. And it's a lot of he he said, she said, he thought, she thought. I was gonna say I think I don't <laughs> think it's a he said, she said. I think it's the he thought, she thought. Yeah. Because we all like if we're. I don't know, maybe, maybe we all don't, maybe it's just me. But like, if I'm not communicating, I'm having conversations in my own head of like, oh, I bet he thinks it's this. I bet he feels this way about it. Instead of just having the conversation with him and then realizing like, oh wait, like that's actually not even how that goes. Yeah. And a lot of times I, I'm not 
good at communicating in in the fact of I if it's something that's like that's heavy on my heart or like it bothers me to me it's like let me, I'll just internally deal with it and that way like I don't burden anybody else or like I don't also put that on her so I just like try to deal with it on my own and then I think to an extent it maybe it builds resentment that I don't realize and then that's when we start having the issues and I think it's vice versa like you're better at communicating but sometimes but I I'm think you might over communicate <laughs> and like say things that you don't necessarily mean or say things that in the moment you're really upset about but like if you sit back and think about it, you're like wow I shouldn't approach it that way yeah. like that type of so like we're exact opposite when it comes to communication so I think we're just trying to find that happy medium and work with each other and it's definitely getting better since we've um, transition to, to giving it to God and putting him at the center and working with him through, through our, through our situations. Yeah. Okay. Next question is what is something you want people to know about your story? So I think that what I would like, um, one of the biggest things I'd like people to know about our story, um, is that I think there's a lot of assumptions and, um, uh, like just assumptions being made about our overall situation situation and I think that especially with my daughter um, I absolutely am a very big part of her life um, and as of as of right now I think that especially after having Hux and seeing the day-to-day -day, the ins and outs of him and how much he needs Tiana I think that it's become very prominent um, to me that the most important and the best thing for her is to be in her mom's care for the first year of her life. Do I get her as much as I possibly can? Absolutely. But I think at the very beginning of it all, whenever before Hux was here and before um, everything transpired, I think my when I when I first found out um, that um, that I was having a daughter, I immediately was like, oh, like I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting for her. Like I want. 50-50 custody. I want everything I can get. Um, so I kind of w went at it like super strong at first, but I think it's been really an eye opener. And I think this was really God, like, like I think God had a large, large part of telling me like, Hey, like sit back and just like, look, like realize what's happening and realize how, like how much they do need their mother, like do like they need their father as well. Absolutely. But like, is it as crucial for the first year of their life? Like, no, especially during like breastfeeding moments and stuff like that. So I think after that, like I kind of took a step back. I was like, yeah, like, like, like I did this. Like I need to like realize that this isn't about me. This is about my daughter. And like, this is about what's best for my daughter. So that's kind of where I've kind of taken the step back and tried to re um, route my mind with the situation. I think there's a lot of um, observations and a lot of, um, different different perspectives of what of what is what has happened and what is happening currently that I just wanted to kind of clear the air about um so for me that's that's the biggest um the biggest I wouldn't say issue but the biggest thing I wanted to make sure people know yeah. about the situation um first I want to say I'm so proud of you for expressing your feelings because I know that's not easy for you and I think that that shows a lot about your character because most men, let's be honest, most men wouldn't even be in the picture right now, but let's just say the men who do choose to be in the picture from day one of finding out they're having a baby with someone, they would come at it like full force of trying to take, you know, take 
that per that baby out of you know 50% of the time. And I think it says a lot about you because you would love to have all of those moments with like with her and have her a complete 50-50% of the time. But you've put that selfish desire aside because for when you like you said, you get to watch me and how much Hux needs me. And so I think that just shows a lot about you and a lot about your character to, you know, put those feelings and emotions aside to do what's best for your daughter and not out of selfish reasons or control or just to show the world, you know, what they want to see. Right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, even even from like a lot of my family and friends and like it, people from the get go have been like, why are like like you need you need to fight 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 like 50 50 and at the beginning like I said I was that's how I that's how I was but as I've gotten it kind of step back and realizing Hux being here has become a has become a huge eye-opener for me just how much he needs you and and I have to allow myself to know what I know what I feel is right in my heart and what I feel is best for my daughter and not always listen to the people that are making the nasty comments in social media or people that are even like uh, my family and friends that say stuff to me, like almost downgrading, like what I'm doing in my situation or why are you not doing this? And, and so like, that's obviously been difficult, but I, I know I've had a lot, I've prayed a lot about it. I've thought a lot about it. We've had lots of conversations about it. So I think that's, that's what I've decided. And that's where we, why we are where we are today. So that all being said, my daughter is definitely a huge part of my life and um, part of our life, not just my life. And she's yeah. a big part of our life and will be. Okay. So we did get this question quite a bit and just a different, everyone asked it in a different way. But the question is, how is it having two babies the same age, basically? So I think that it's obviously not the most ideal situation. Um, looking back having two um two babies around the same age within five months of each other um from two different women is not ideal um but i think that with everything we've even said during this during this podcast i think that we are making the absolute best of it and i'm going to be um the best father i can be in both situations and i think for me it's been fun watching them like at the ages they are now because now it's like Hux is starting to actually realize her when at first like she would realize him and then try to like, you know, poke him or like kiss him and he just like cries. And now he just like looks at her kind of like eyes roll big, like, I don't know what's happening here, but like you look like, you know, you look similar to me maybe, but like you're not an adult. So it's really funny to watch them interact. And I think that as they, you know, they get older, they're just going to be like two little best friends because they're literally basically the same age. Right. Yeah, I think with their age difference, they won't actually be in the same grade, but they'll be very similar in age and obviously yeah. be have a lot of probably yeah, I think the same. Yeah, their birthdays fall, they won't be in the same grade. Um, it also is funny, like when we take them out, though, everyone assumes they're twins when you just see two, like, Nuna baby carriers. They're like, yeah. Wait, are, those, are they twins? And then when you say they're not twins, we get the weirdest weirdest looks yeah. like no one says anything after that they just look at us like how is that possible yeah and i think if we're gonna be really honest that's been one of that's been one of the biggest struggles too with just in the fact that you always feel like you're, you're always judged. you're constantly being judged you constantly have to tell the story and yeah the story doesn't sound great doesn't look great but i've had to come to terms with the fact that 
hey, like this isn't their story. This is my story. This is our story. Um, and this is, this is what it is. And I'm going to make the absolute best of it. Like, you know, you only get a certain amount of time on this earth and I'm going to do the best I can to be the best father I can in every aspect of life with my two biological kids and as a stepfather and everything. And that's, that's where I'm at in my mindset right now. Yeah, that's really good. That kind of brings me, it's a little bit down further, but someone asked us what our best piece of advice for someone blending a family is. And I want to jump to that one because it kind of goes with exactly what you just said was, I feel like, and I've let this get to me is I carry a lot of shame from my story. Just, just my story even like, let's not add your story into that. And I feel like that's where I kind of get stumped and like moving on with just and like feeling happiness and joy on a day-to-day basis is because I let the shame get to me and the shame is from, from the enemy. And if the enemy can make me feel that way, then that he's automatically stopping God's plan and desire for me. And so whatever your story is or whatever that looks like, you may carry a lot of shame. And like I'm preaching to myself right now because it's something I have to work on is that it's okay that we've made mistakes in our past. It's okay that our, our past is messy, that we, but we have to move on from that. Like we can't stay in that and relive that day to day. Right. And people are, the enemy's out to get you any way possible, whether it's using people, using people to like say nasty things to you or de- degrade you. Or, I mean, it's, you just, you just have to stay the course, know that you're in control. No one else can control your life. As soon as you let someone else step in and take control of your life or make you feel like you something that you're not, yeah. then you've lost full control and you've let the enemy win. Yeah. Ugh. That's so good. I always kind of bring that back to like, you can let people speak life or death over you. And I will say this past year, I feel like I have just let people speak death over me with just the amount of like negative, hateful comments we get on a picture I post of Hux, like, or like when I, you know, we posted we were pregnant, like all just, we were got married. Like it was just so much death spoken over me. And I really let that sink in. And like, I, I carried that and it shows And so I would say find your people that speak life over you and life into your situation because we all have messes. Some people may not wear them, you know, bluntly all over them. Some people can hide them, but we all have messes. And so I just would say find your, find your community, find your, the people that are speaking life into your situation, not death. Can I add a little side note in here? So any men listening to the situation, um, that everything she just talked about was something that um, throughout this whole process, I've had to learn how to, to deal with, um, in the fact of helping her get through those situations and don't, I've not been good at it by any means. In fact, I've just recently tried to kind of started figuring it out, but when, when she's hurting, um, what I've learned to do or what I'm still working on learning to do is, Instead of trying to fix the problem, which is ultimately what I want to do because I like solving problems and I like making her try to feel better. Typically, when I approach a situation of trying to solve the problem for her and trying to tell her like what she's thinking isn't right or what she's thinking like she should be thinking of it this way, it never goes well. Um, so I've learned to kind of sit back and let her tell me how she's feeling and ask her like we, I have to learn, I had to learn to ask her, Hey, do you want me to like emotionally just soak this up with you and let you tell me how you're feeling and cry it out or, um, just sit here and just listen. 
um, or be a sponge and just listen? Or do you want me to like help you through the situation and talk you through it and talk you through how the best way to handle it is and how I would think it, how I would handle it. So there's two different ways. And I think it's important and something we've actually just recently talked about is before, before we even approach a situation or before I even try to approach a situation like that, where I know she's upset is be like, Hey babe, like right now, do you want me to be a sponge and listen? Do you want me to just soak this all in and let you tell me how you feel? Or do you want me to help you through the situation and tell you how I feel or how I would handle it or take that route. So I think that's kind of a good side note on that for any men out there listening, because that already to this point has saved a lot of unneeded arguments of me just thinking I'm trying to help. Yeah. I mean, I think that's for anyone in a relationship, blended, dating, just married, whatever that is, ask, you know, make, make sure you ask, you're asking each other, even, even to the man, like he comes to you and he's like, tell me about something. Do you, do you want a solution or do you want to basically soak in it? Because sometimes, especially as women, like we want to soak in it for a minute. Like, let me feel my feelings, okay? And then we can find a solution. Okay, so what is our relationship with each other's co-parents? Um, for me, with um, with your ex-husband, um, it's really not much of anything i mean um we have never really had an issue um you do all the communicating on a day-to-day basis with the kids about the kids when he wants to call and facetime and stuff like that you handle all that um when we see each other in person in the few games he does show up to um it's hey how are you we do a lot how are things going well yeah he sits with us it's not it's not negative by any means i mean i personally i don't want issues like like that that's I have enough of my own issues. I don't need any more. So, and I, and I don't do, I don't agree with anything he's, he did in the past, but I, I re- still respect him just like I would anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, and I still know he's the kid's father. So, um, I, I don't want to ever do anything to, um, hurt the kid's feelings or make them feel like, like I'm being disrespectful or anything. So I, I carry a level of respect and, um, and, communication is limited but it's not bad communication when it is yeah Yeah, and I would like to think that I have a a pretty good relationship with your co-parent we don't talk about anything that revolves you know your daughter or anything like that you guys talk about your own co-parenting situation but we texted like here and there you know just like talking about we bonded over like some clean living things and if you don't know what clean living is that's just like basically cutting like you know like the toxins out of your detergent your soaps and things like that um, and we've had some other conversations here and there. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, we're best friends. We, you know, we're not like that, but I don't think we have a bad relationship. I respect her and will always respect her because that is the mother of your daughter. Right. I mean, and I, I mean, I think if we're going to be honest, like my communication with her is about my daughter. And I think really you guys probably communicate more outside of, um, outside of that than we even do. Um, so, I mean, I think that it's still, a, it's still a work in progress, but I think it's, it's definitely, it's not bad by any means. No, absolutely not. So that kind of goes into our next question we got, do we have any co-parenting tips? For me, it would be, um, just especially being, um, being married and in a new relationship from like your co-parent, just, um, keep it very direct and about 
um, your kids. And it, it really, if you keep it that way, it stays pretty simple. Um, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say I have quite a bit of co-parenting tips. Um, I've been co-parenting for, goodness, four years now. And so, like, there's been a lot of trial and error, a lot of trying different things. And for me, and my co-parent was a very high-conflict co-parent. He's not now because he just chooses kind of to be absent. But at the very beginning, it was very, very, very high-conflict. And I want to say the first thing was, honestly, me giving the situation to God. Because I came out of our situation with a lot of pain and a lot of anger. And so... I felt like it just, it was constantly coming off like that. And it was just me praying for him. And it was as hard as it was to pray for him. I continue to do it until literally, I don't feel like I have any resentment for him. And I still struggle with a lot of the traumas that I carry from that. And I feel like I have, you know, I would have more of like a yes, like you, you could hate him or like, you know, like even my friends sometimes, you know, they're like, oh yeah, like yes. And I have to stop because it, it hardens my heart to the situation and it does nothing to him. It just weighs on me as a person. So I feel like it's taken me to be like, okay, look, we're not going to, I don't speak negatively about him. Uh, yeah, there's a lot we could probably say about him, but I'm not going to speak that and I'm not going to talk about it. And I don't let other people, if like, I don't engage if someone says he's like, oh, he's worthless or whatever it is, I don't engage. I don't say anything back at all because no matter what, that is the father of the, the older three. And so I don't want them to ever hear me like speaking badly or talking badly. Of course, like I have a level of honesty with my children of like if they ask me questions about him, but I'm not going to just sit and engage. So I think that right there was a game changer for me because at first I was fired up. I had a lot of anger, like it was, it, it could have been really messy and more detrimental to my kids. Yeah. And I think, I think that shows a lot of, um, I mean, I think that to me that shows that how strong you are in your faith and how strong you are as a woman, because just the situations over time, like the stories that you've told me and the stuff that I've heard and stuff that I know, and like how I even see you react sometimes to trauma that from the past, I'm just like, how could you not hate that person? You know what I mean? How could you How could you have already forgiven them for what they've done and not hold that over their head? It, to me, it's still mind-boggling to me because I'm just like, I don't know how you've done it. So I think that shows just how much, um, how, how strong your faith is and how um, important it has been for you to put it in God's yeah. hand because... I don't think it's easy by any means. I mean, if you would see my prayer journal from like 2020, 2021 how I was praying for him, it was pretty like straight, direct, short and simple. And then it got to like praying for like how I need to pray for him. Um, so yes, I, I would say that. Um, the second thing is when you're co-parenting is the other person will date eventually. Um, it took a few years for him to start dating where he wanted the person to meet our children. And I came into it with open arms and how you handled this situation is going to determine the type of relationship your kids is going to have with you as a parent and that, you know, um, the other person's partner. And so I came into it with open arms. My kids are at the age where like they can ask questions, they can talk, they, they're aware, they know what's going on. And so I made a point to take her out to dinner with him. And I just told her a lot about my kids, ask her a little bit of questions. I could go back and tell my kids. And I think we talked about this in like my previous previous episode we did last year. But like that was a game changer because it showed acceptance. And what that does to your kids is they're like, okay, 
my mom can accept this person. My mom says it's okay that I can like her and I can love her. They're like, so then it must be okay. Whereas if I would have went at that as like, oh, this other girl and like, you know, said negative things or made my kids afraid or scared. What is that doing? Like, what's that doing to my kids? Nothing, nothing at all. And I think that it's a good you because my kids didn't hate you at first, but they were scared. Their dad, I don't think ever said anything to them about it because they, they never said he did. But he didn't come into it with like, hey, it's okay that you like your mom's boyfriend. Like, it's okay. So my kids were afraid. And even so they say they're like, ah, oh, like, but I don't want to hurt daddy's feelings if I do that. Like, do you think it's okay? So I think that if he would have given them the okay, it would have it would have set them up for more success and less like heartache and worry. Yeah, and I think that just like we hit on earlier, like Sophia was by far the most, and I think we even talked about it yeah. in our previous episodes okay. that we've talked about, but Sophia was the hardest one to break, not only because she's hard head like her mom, but <laughs> also because I think she struggled so much with that acceptance of like, hey, like, yeah, I want to like love Austin and I want to open up to him as like a, as like a father figure, but what is that going to do? Like, is that going to hurt my dad's feelings? Yeah. Like, what's that going to make my dad feel like? Even though, like, he really has no say or no idea about it. But, like, she carried that burden. Right. She still carried that burden and still struggled with that. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, that's really important, really important note that you hit on. Yeah. I think just realizing the best, I mean, the best co-parenting advice I could tell you is realizing that it's about the kids. Like we as parents are, are the ones who made the mistakes. We are the ones who chose, you know, the situations, maybe not the idea that, you know, we didn't plan for it to, to play out the way it did, but we put ourselves in those situations, not the kids. And so always putting like their feelings and their best interest up front, um, I think is the best co-parenting tip I could give anyone. Okay. So now we're going to jump into some like lighthearted questions. Um, Someone asked me, like, what it is like for me to cut dairy. So if you are not aware, Austin cannot have dairy. Um, and I feel like it's kind of significantly <laughs> worse the past two years. I have no has. idea why, but it's bad. It's really bad. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, it has taken me a lot of, like, every single week I am just, like, weeding through Pinterest trying to find, like, good meals that are dairy-free because I'm one of those people I always cook with, like, cheeses, sour cream, and whole milk everything is loaded with whole milk and sour cream <laughs> like my best dishes that i bring to like family gatherings are loaded with cheese sour cream so it's been a game changer for me like for sure do i think it's healthier absolutely but it's it's changed some things yeah it's also i mean it's also not i feel like it would be easier too if it was just like just the two of us right just having to cook for the two of us and make sure we like it but not only that but you have to try and find something that I can eat that the kids will also like that's non-dairy and yeah. the kids I mean just naturally being kids they love dairy well, anything with cheese up on food that like I cooked was right loaded in cheese and sour cream yeah so. and I try I always try to tell her like hey just I'll make myself something separate just make something that you and the kids like yeah you absolutely are but like I just like I don't know maybe that again that's just like me like being, being your wife I want to like take care of you and like so I, I don't know. I just like yeah. to go for all of us as a family. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I do. But then it also ends up being it the kids. It is really funny, though, like, if, like, Austin has, like, a, a meeting where he's going to go, like, do a dinner meeting with someone, the kids are like, okay, we're going to eat dairy this night. Like, <laughs> yeah. they get so excited, don't they? Yeah, almost every time I'm gone. So there's one meal that I cannot stand that they all love, and that's tomato soup and grilled cheese. And my and tomato soup, I, I do cook with a lot of milk in it. 
I don't know if that's how you cook it, but that is how I cook it. So it is dairy and then obviously grilled cheese dairy. Yeah, so any any evening where I like am gone at meetings for work or at a Pacers game or doing something with friends or something, they're always like, oh, let's, dairy, yeah, dairy. let's have tomato soup and grilled <laughs> cheese tonight. It is really funny watching them get excited about it. Okay, next question is, what is our favorite date night? I'll let you talk about this. Okay, so I would say this has changed since we've had hugs. So, like, my favorite date night with Austin was when we, like, were able to, like, get all dressed up and go to the Pacers game. Like, that was probably my favorite date night with him. Now that we've had hugs, um, he's three months old, so we still haven't gotten a babysitter for him or actually still haven't left him yet. So, date nights look a little bit different. So, our, our date nights now Wait, are they're non-existent yeah actually. yeah non-existent let's uh let's go pick up food come home and eat it and watch uh virgin river together Ooh, we do love virgin river that is like something that we we started doing like nightly now that we both enjoy yeah well before we never had a tv in our room um but now that i got we got quincy the playstation 5 um Quincy and the girls like playing it out here on our living room TV so we decided to buy ourselves a TV for our bedroom and honestly I'm glad we did I was always kind of been against it because I can't sleep with the TV on and I and can't we don't sleep with it on. yeah so but I was anticipating that's probably how it was going to happen so I just never had one in my room um but no I think it's a great way to end our nights just together a little bit of bonding time, just snuggle in bed and watch an episode of Virgin River. And it's Sometimes it ends up being one or two or two or three two episodes. Or three. But. And it's fun, like, because we both get excited and we're like, oh, did you, did you see, like, what that happens? Because sometimes I'll fall asleep early or he'll fall asleep early, so we'll catch each other up. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of hits on an important note, too. Like, no matter how crazy your life is, you have to you have to find time for each other one way or another. Like, like like we've talked about we do the bible studies together and read the um some co-parenting books and blended families books together just to help um navigate some of these difficult situations but just even the like 30 minutes of time a, a week or a day or an hour watching an episode snuggling and whether she's holding Hux in bed and I'm just like hand on her leg, like something as simple as that <laughs> really, really goes way further than you would think. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Call Us Mommy podcast. If you want to spend more time with us, make sure to hit follow. And if you like the episode, share with a friend and leave a review.